Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a slightly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, bringing to you this Tuesday a Fascism in Fiction episode, an episode where I discuss an example of fascism's depiction in a fictional piece of media. This week, unlike the previous times that I've done this kind of segment, I'm going to be talking about a time when actual fascism has just been fully represented on the screen. In this case, I'm talking about the Indiana Jones film series. For those of you who don't know, Indiana Jones is a swashbuckling archaeologist who stars in a series of four films. I think there's going to be a a new one coming out this year. He's not a historian. He's an archaeologist. Uh, What he does is he pillages burial grounds, temples, and other holy spaces of people who are not white to take those artifacts back to museums in the global north. Context clues and information from the rest of the media tell us that he works for the Oriental Museum at the University of Chicago, uh, which is actually where I did my undergraduate, and that he is a professor at that university. In movies one and two of the franchise, he fights Nazis in order to do this. In movies two and four, he is fighting different people. In movie number two, he is fighting a sort of South Asian cult. And in the fourth movie, he is fighting the Soviet Union in the 1950s. These movies mostly take place in the 1920s and 30s, which means that they're taking place under the backdrop of the rise of the Nazi party, but not World War II itself. So the first movie in the series is called Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it is about Indiana Jones seeking the Ark of the Covenant, which is an object from biblical stories from the Old Testament or from the Jewish scriptures, which describe an ark in which the covenant, the agreement between Jehovah, God, and humanity is kept. Raiders of the Lost Ark features the Nazis as a primary set of antagonists, The primary antagonist Nazi is a sort of effeminate Nazi type. You know, he's got like circular glasses, he's short, he has a high-pitched shrill laugh. He is a stereotype. This is one of the stereotypes of the ways that Nazis are depicted in media. You know, either they're big, hulking, blonde beasts, you know, to misappropriate a quote by Nietzsche, or they are this sort of like mousy, effeminate, small Nazi-type guy, and that's the primary Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nazis of this type, the the sort of like small effeminate kind, they are depicted in this way in order to make them objects of derision as opposed to objects of fear. They are presented in this way in order to make them the butts of jokes. This character, for example, often gets a lot of laughs for uh, his being hurt. He is horribly, horribly burned at one point, specifically by a Jewish relic at the beginning of the film. While the primary antagonists of the movie are Nazis, the primary setting of the movie is the Middle East broadly. So parts of it take place in Cairo, parts of it take place throughout the rest of the Middle East, some of it takes place in the Mediterranean. The Nazis are depicted exclusively as an army, however. The Nazis are another foreign interloper, another set of people who are in the Middle East taking shit from people, right? The Nazis are props for killing and violence and revenge. So in some senses, the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie is a revenge fantasy about pushing back against Nazis. This is, of course, better than if they had the movie, you know, where just like Indiana Jones was killing a lot of Muslim men in order to steal artifacts from them, artifacts that are Jewish and not Christian at any rate. One of the things that the movie does get right is its depiction of the Nazis' interest in occult and other religious 
artifacts and things like that. There, there were actually Nazis who were out there trying to get these artifacts for prestige purposes. And there were also Nazis who actually believed in supernatural forces and believed that it was possible for like, you know, some of these relics to have real supernatural powers that pertained to the religions uh, that they came from. The third movie in the franchise, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, as per its title, is even more so in this vein. Again, we have the Nazis as the primary antagonist of this movie, presented as a sort of like comedic reprise of the villains from the first movie, uh, to the extent that the, the movie even jokes about this itself. Again, we see some of the other Nazi tropes. In this case, the primary Nazi antagonist in the film is a man named Vogel, and he is a sort of Nazi brute and idiot. Again, though, he's not an imposing figure. You know, he's not tall, he's not buff, he's not scary in a particularly powerful way. He's scary because he is the leader of an army. He's presented as a brute and as an idiot and an anti-intellectual. Once again, the Nazis are primarily depicted here as an army. However, they are much more imposing than the army in Raiders of the Lost Ark, partly because this movie takes place after that previous movie, and so Germany is actively preparing for war. Uh, this movie also actually depicts Nazis preparing for war. We, we see a, a secret war room at one point, although why a Nazi war room would be concealed behind a secret door in a German castle is a little beyond me, you know? I mean, like, they had normal government offices where they were planning for war, like, you know, that wasn't like a particularly major secret. It wasn't the sort of thing you needed to hide behind a spinning fireplace. The other interesting thing about this movie is that in a series that deals pretty heavily with Nazism and about, you know, it's about like an American, as in United Statesian, hero killing Nazis, like punching them in the face a lot, um, which, hey, not complaining about that. Uh, but in a series that is about fighting Nazis, this is the only one that takes place at least in part in Germany. Some of the scenes do occur in Germany. There's uh, famous fun little scenes about Indiana Jones kicking a Nazi, this is the aforementioned Vogel, off of an airship, like a blimp. There is a chase scene involving a German castle, and also Indiana Jones punches a Nazi and steals his uniform in order to attend a book burning. This is probably the only time that the movies actually go pretty directly into, like, Nazi ideology. It's the only sign of Nazism as anything other than an army, or as the quote-unquote bad version of what Indiana Jones himself does, stealing from other people for their own benefit. One of the more interesting scenes in the movie is a, a moment, it's sort of presented as a joke, in which at this book-burning scene, Indiana Jones is confronted with Adolf Hitler, who unceremoniously signs a book that Indiana Jones had, which is a, a MacGuffin in the story. It's going to tell them exactly where the cup that Jesus used at the Last Supper is located. This is the titular Last Crusade of the movie. The idea is that they are going on one last Christian crusade in order to stop, quote-unquote, the forces of darkness and evil, a line given by the actor playing Indiana Jones's father, Sean Connery. These movies also give an interesting depiction, and I think it's probably better than their depiction of Nazism. They give an, an interesting depiction of collaborators with Nazis. In both Raiders and The Last Crusade, there are really interesting aristocratic European or United Statesian collaborators with Nazism. In Raiders, it's a guy named René Belloc, who's French, and in Last Crusade, it's an American named Donovan. Like I said, both of these people are depicted as sort of like hoity-toity jerks, people who are also, like, 
art and relic thieves, much like Indiana Jones, except that they want to keep these relics for themselves rather than, as Indiana Jones always famously quips, to put them in a museum. These characters, I think, accurately depict the contemptible nature of people who collaborate with Nazism and fascism in general, especially when they do so for their own gain and not because they actually believe in any of this stuff. Belloc and Donovan are both presented as sort of like ignoring or dismissing or not really caring about the actual tenets of Nazism and fascism. They think that these people are useful idiots that they will be able to manipulate and get to do their own bidding. Of course, actual collaborators with Nazism and fascism did believe the same thing, only to learn that it was in fact the Nazis and the fascists who were holding the upper hand, at least in Italy and Germany. And much to their chagrin, they ended up following their example. Probably the most interesting example of a Nazi collaborator in the Indiana Jones film universe is Schneider, a Nazi woman who is a sort of like femme fatale and backstabber in Raiders of the Lost Ark. She is depicted as a reluctant and corrupted version of Indiana Jones himself. You know, she's an archaeologist, she's a historian, she is an archivist. She is interested in finding the grail, uh, that is the Holy Grail, this, this, this cup belonging to Jesus Christ. She is depicted as crying at this book burning scene, you know, so we're, we're to believe that she's an intellectual of some kind, you know, she believes that burning books is wrong, she believes that getting rid of information is wrong, she believes that information is something to be cherished. She is an intellectual in an anti-intellectual political environment. She's presented to us as a sort of victim-slash-perpetrator, right? She is a victim of her circumstances. In order to get along in Nazi Germany, she has to, you know, collaborate with the Nazi German state. But she is also a perpetrator of Nazi violence. She uses guns. She is a apparently a member, at least in some capacity, of some part of the Nazi state. Indiana Jones, however, does attempt to save her at the end because she is the female lead in the film and they do at one point have sex. However, her desire to get the grail uh, kills her, you know, so she dies out of her avarice, out of her greed. This almost kills Indiana Jones too, but he's better than her and so he, he ends up saving himself by renouncing this desire, right? So unlike these previous two aristocratic collaborators whom we are only supposed to hate, the movie wants us to kind of be a little bit sympathetic to Schneider, right? We're supposed to understand the position that she's in. I think that this is interesting, but of course this is an action-adventure movie. It's not a character study about like how you be a professor or an intellectual in a fascist environment, so I don't think it handles the nuances of this particularly well. Moving on from the, you know, actual literal depictions of Nazis and people who work with them in the movies, the other thing that you got to talk about if you're talking about fascism in Indiana Jones is the extreme racism <laughs> depicted in these movies about people who are not white. The second Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and the fourth Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, are like just horrendously, incredibly racist. Now, as you know, if you are a listener of this podcast, racism does not necessarily equate to fascism. However, it is a major component of almost all fascisms that have ever existed on Earth so far. And so the fact that a film series that is often depicted as a sort of like 
celebration of violence against fascism, you know, especially after 2016, you know, there were all those debates about like whether you should punch a fascist if you see them. And then people would just share memes of Indiana Jones gifs, like with him pounding on Nazis, just like punching them in the face continuously, right? The fact that these movies are included in this series and that they are just so full of racist caricatures and stereotypes and just really, truly terrible images of people who aren't white, uh, to the extent that I feel no need to go into them and describe them. So overall, how do these films hold out in their depiction of fascism? Obviously, unlike a lot of the other movies and things that I've talked about in this little fascism and fiction series, this one is literally about Nazis. So, right, you know, it is depicting fascism. So the question isn't like, is this fascist? But how good of a depiction of fascism is it? The Nazis in the Indiana Jones series are depicted as a joke. They're depicted as a sort of like generic, totalizing evil bad guy. And in that sense, yeah, you know, like if, if that's what our culture wants the Nazis to be, I can understand them being that in a, you know, in a normative common sense way. I want people to hate Nazis. That's great. However, I don't think that the movies really deal effectively with what fascism and Nazism actually are and how they actually work. These movies, by focusing on the Nazi war machine as opposed to everyday Nazis, you know, just like civilian people, they contribute to the popular understanding of Nazism and fascism as something that pertains only to World War II or that pertains only to war as opposed to the everyday, as opposed to, you know, something that is about everyday Nazis. If, for example, Schneider were a civilian who just happened to be a fascist, that would have been a much more useful way to get that information across to the viewer. Instead, she is this sort of like reluctant femme fatale type. The other major shortcoming of the movies when it comes to dealing with this is that it just falls so terribly short of really dealing with the parallels between what Indiana Jones, as a representative of the Northern European slash United Statesian liberal order, is doing in the Middle East and in South Asia and in South America, and the parallels between that and what the Nazis are doing. It doesn't really grapple with these problems, like that these two people are both engaging in a form of colonialist exploitation. And there's a lot of really important work and really a lot of important thought that has been done both in academia and outside of it regarding the relationship between fascism and colonial exploitation that these movies do absolutely nothing to help anybody understand. And since a lot of people get their information and their impression about history from movies, you know, a lot more than they do in history classes, that's a real shame. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, and I mean that sincerely. Please actually do that. It's the way that people find out about the podcast. Please tell your friends, family, and comrades about it. If you really enjoyed the podcast, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out and all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter on hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right and fascism 15. All right. Thanks very much. And I will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>